Church family, friends, those of you who are online, we welcome you. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. This is from Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35. It says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were there with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke Jesus, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with a great fear. And they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Fathers, we open your word today. We we ask you with all the courage that we have and all the faith that we have inside of us that we would do more than learn stuff. We pray this morning that you would change our lives because of your word. We pray, Lord, this morning that as we open our minds and open our hearts to think about the kingdom of God, to learn about your character, Lord Jesus, to think about the thoughts and the attitudes and the movement of the disciples that we would do more than have interesting thoughts. We pray that our soul would be shaped more differently because of your word. And we pray, Lord, that you will change us, equip us to serve you better and to represent you in the world a little more quickly and efficiently and accurately, we pray. We pray all of this as we feast now on your word, in the name of Jesus, amen. If you're new to the Christian faith or you're thinking about church things and you're not really familiar with the Bible, uh, what a treat today is for you. I would say probably this is one of the top five stories that we hear over and over and over in, in, in the Christian world. It's always a story at Vacation Bible School. It's always an annual sermon by we preachers. I mean, this is just one of the top five stories that is given over and over and over. So I'm glad that you're here today. If you're new to the church and you're thinking about Jesus and what it means to be a Christian, we're glad that you're here. We welcome you. Those of you who are kind of like me, who've been around the church for years, I want to challenge you this morning to not let the veil of familiarity cause you to say, oh, I've heard everything there is to hear about this passage. I want the Lord to do a great work in your life today. And even if you learn nothing new today, I hope that what you already learned will be a great reminder for you and a great faith boost for you uh, for, for this day and this week If you have your notes, you see that I really just want to start by making an observation this morning. The first observation that I think is important for us to think about is the reality that real danger exists even in the midst of real discipleship. 
I want to say that again because I think it is super important for us to understand this this morning. Real danger existed even in the midst of real discipleship. Uh, Let's just look at that kind of in two separate phrases. You'll see what I'm thinking about this morning. Go back with me if you would. And let's just think about the idea that real danger existed here in this text. Now, I think that you caught this as we were reading this morning, but this is a boating scene that happens on the sea. Now look with me, if you would, in verse 36, as they left the crowd, they took Jesus in the boat and their other boats with them. And in verse 37, the real problem arises. The real danger arises. It says, and a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Now listen, You can have never gotten on a boat in your life and know that that's not good. Like you may not know anything about starting engines on boats. You may not know how to drive a boat. You may not know how to load a boat, back a boat in a trailer into the water, unload a boat. You've never been fishing in a boat. Maybe you've never even sat on a boat on dry land. But you know that when waves start crashing into it while it's in the sea, that's not a good thing. That was a real danger. That was a significant danger. These disciples are out with Jesus in a very very vulnerable place. They're out in the middle of the sea. This incredible windstorm blows in on them. The waves are breaking over the boat into the boat. And it says that the boat starts filling with water. Again, you don't have to be a boater to understand that's not something you want to happen. That's real danger. And these are real disciples. This is serious discipleship. These disciples are actively following Jesus. They are being used by Jesus in in ministry. They're, They're doing miracles. They're getting opportunities to teach about the kingdom of God. They're traveling from place to place. I mean, they are doing the work of the ministry. It isn't as though they didn't follow God or didn't love God. They were actively being disciples, and yet still there existed this significant danger In their life. And I share that with you this morning just as an observation because somewhere along the way, there are some in the church who kind of took this turn down this this teaching that follows like this If I'm a person of faith and if I love Jesus, then I'm not going to have any problems in life. And all I have to do is love God enough. All I have to do is have faith and I can command God to do whatever I want God to do if I say it in the name of Jesus and I have enough faith. Listen to me, friend. That's a false teaching. I want you to understand today that there is a gospel being preached in the world today called the life enhancement gospel. And it essentially says... If you will just give your life to Jesus, he'll make everything better. And I would love for that to be true, but it's not. In fact, are you ready to be encouraged this morning? In fact, there is evidences in the Bible that when people gave their life to God, their life got more difficult. 
Think about Joseph in the Old Testament. If you're new to the faith, you haven't studied Joseph yet, go jump into that Bible story. There's a man who loved God, who was filled with character and integrity. And the more he stood for God, the more difficult his life got. That's encouraging, isn't it? Moses, the people in the Old Testament had this deep and abiding faith. It didn't mean that their life was without problems. It didn't mean that they were exempt from the troubles of life. And I want you to understand that that's true about these disciples. They were committed followers of Jesus. And they still faced real problems in life. I want to encourage you with this this morning. I was joking about how encouraging is that, right? I do want to encourage you with this. I want you to realize that we don't run to Jesus so that he can make our life better. We run to Jesus because he is life. And there's a huge difference between those two. Now, I may see this more than you see this because... I talk with a lot of different people. People come and we visit, we pray together, we discuss things together. I want to share two stories with you. I share them with you because they did not happen here. They happened in a previous place of ministry. But, but a person came into my office one time, and he had been coming to the church for a while. We knew each other on a first-name basis. We fist-bumped each other and high-fived. He's like, hey, Zach, I need to come and see you this week. It's like, okay, cool. He'd never come to see me before. He didn't even know where my office was. But he found it. We sat down, and he said, Zach, I want to become a Christian. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> How often does that happen, right? Somebody call you on the phone and say, hey, I just want to become a Christian. Can you help me? I was ecstatic. I was beside myself. I was so happy. I was like, this is great. Tell me your story. Why do you want to become a Christian? He said, well, because my wife left, and I think if I become a Christian, then God will give me my family back. And I've never been so emotionally confused in my whole life. I was thinking to myself, what do I say? I am so happy that he wants to give his life to Jesus, but I'm so concerned that it's under a false pretense that if I give my life to Jesus, he's going to make all my problems go away. I remember one time, Somebody coming down and praying after a service. We were talking and we stayed after the service and he was sharing with me that today he gave his life to Jesus. Uh, he had a lot of problems in his life, but he believed that if he gave his life to Jesus, then the Lord would be obligated to give him his job back. He had lost his job two weeks before. And I want you to understand as you process these stories and think through them emotionally like I have, where you are excited that somebody is open to Jesus and they want to walk with God, but you're worried that they're placing an expectation on something that God never committed to. Like, here's the problem. We're in a culture where frequently we think, if I will give my life to Jesus, he will just give me everything that I want and long for. And if that were true, you would be God and not God. And you see in the text, and, and I want to make this point, I don't want to move on, but you see in the text that these men were serious about being disciples of Jesus, and they still find themselves in significant and substantial 
issues. So I encourage you by saying, if you find yourself facing problems today, it doesn't necessarily mean it's because God is displeased with you or you lack faith or that the Lord is rebuking you. It it could be that you're living the life that just like these disciples are living, seeking to be diligent and following Jesus and yet finding yourself in the midst of a significant problem. But that leads me to a puzzle. And here's what I process. As a pastor, I spend so much of my time and energy encouraging you that when you face a problem, you run to Jesus. You and I, if we've had conversations, have probably had that conversation. You and I, if we've discussed faith before, you've probably heard that from me. Bring it to the Lord, take it to Jesus, trust God with it. I say it in a lot of different ways, but fundamentally you boil it down to one thing. If you are facing something significant, take it to Jesus. We, as followers of Jesus, spend our whole life struggling to do that better and better and better and better. And that's exactly what the disciples do in this story. There's a storm that pops up in the middle of the sea and there's these significant problems and the wind is beating into the boat and the, the, the waves are crashing into the boat and the cr- waves are crashing into the boat and the boat is starting to fill with water. And what do they do? They go right to Jesus. They go right to Jesus. And Jesus, if you look in the scripture, Jesus does two things. When he wakes up, he rebukes the wind And it calms. And he speaks to the sea. Peace, be still. And it ceases. And then he turns to address the disciples. And in my imaginative mind, I wonder how long goes by from the time that he calms the storm to the time that he addresses the disciples. It's almost like I can just hear every second on the clock tick. Because the disciples don't know what Jesus is about to say to them. He rebukes them. He says, why are you afraid? Well, Jesus, because the boat's filling up with water. Wouldn't you be tempted to say that? Well, Jesus, because we're out here in the middle of the sea and we didn't check our weather app and this storm is beating down on us and there's waves everywhere and there's water everywhere and the wind is about to destroy our boat. That's why we're afraid. Seems like a reasonable response, if I'm being honest. And he says, do you still have no faith? It's what he says to the disciples. He says, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And again, I got to tell you, if I'm there and processing this, I might be thinking to myself, what do you mean have no faith? I came right to you. I came right to you, Jesus. This serious problem crept up. I did what my pastor told me to do. I brought it right to you. Why are you criticizing me? That's the puzzle, isn't it? And Jesus is asleep in the midst of their problems. Have you ever felt like that before? Have you ever been looking up into heaven going, 
are you awake up there, God? Do you see what's happening? Because what did the disciples say? Lord, teacher, they said, teacher, do you not care that we're about to die here? Have you ever had that experience in your life where you're really struggling through life and, and you are grinding and it is a struggle and you're going, is God awake right now? And Jesus woke up. He calmed the storm. And then what is the response from Jesus to the disciples when they ran to Jesus and told him their problem? Why are you afraid and where is your faith? That's a puzzle, isn't it? I want to try to solve the puzzle a little, little bit today by sharing with you what I think the great danger in this text is. Often we look at this story, we read it, we have Bible studies on it, we contemplate it, we think about it, we prayer journal about it, we do all these things with it, and, and we think that in this scripture the great danger is the storm, and it's not. That is a danger. It's a real one. But I want to share with you what I think is the great danger in this text. It is the disciples allowing present serious problems to cause them to forget the past promises of God. I think the great danger, I want to say that again, the great danger is allowing the present serious problems to cause these disciples to forget the past promises of God. Let me share with you why I think that. Let's look back in the scripture. Let's look at the very first verse of what we're studying today. When the evening had come, Jesus said to them, let's go to the other side. Do you know what Jesus just said to them? We're going to make it. Before they ever got in the boat, before the storm ever came, before the disciples ever got anxious or worried or scared or panicky, before trouble ever set in, Jesus committed to them that we're going to the other side. You see what I'm saying? And when that storm set in, and when they started feeling the wind hit them, and they started seeing the water come into the boat, they forgot. They forgot what Jesus had said. Let's go to the other side. Jesus didn't say, let's try to go to the other side. Jesus didn't say, I hope we can get to the other side. Jesus didn't say, let's go halfway and then we'll reconvene and decide if we want to finish. He said, let's go to the other side. There is a very subtle but clear declaration that we will make it to the other side. But there real problem caused them to forget what Jesus had already said. Now, to be clear, this this story is about the disciples 
learning about faith, discovering about Jesus, and facing a real physical storm that Jesus dealt with. But can you see the application of that to our lives? Can you just feel a little bit what I'm saying this morning when I make the point that sometimes our problems cause us to forget what the Lord has already established in His Word? I mean, if we want to remember what the promises of God are, we can open them and read them on every page of the Bible. Sometimes the real problems that we're facing that make us uncomfortable, that that create anxiety in us, that that confront us, and they're real and dangerous, and, and, and we're trying to process them, and we're trying to do right with them. And the disciples were doing the same. I mean, they went right to Jesus. Now, to be fair, where else are they going to go? They're on a boat. <laughs> they didn't have YouTube on how to stop a boat from sinking or whatever. Like, but they went right to Jesus. Where were they missing? What caused Jesus to say, why are you afraid? Where is your faith? This. They were stirred by something that Jesus had already declared. We're going to the other side. I think that's an important thing for us to remember. And, And here's the reason. You may not go get on a boat today. You may not go out at the Cape, the Bay, and find a windstorm. But we have storms. We have problems. We have struggles. We have difficult, uncomfortable things in our life that tempt us to stop focusing on the things that we know that the Lord has already spoken in His Word. Open and shut cases about the faithfulness of God. Our own personal struggles can tempt us. And so this morning, I want for us to remember that there's a greater danger than the storm that hit that day. The the greater danger was that the disciples forgot and stopped believing in the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus because the problems were so close to them and bearing down on them. And it is... Not too difficult, is it, when life is good to praise God and to declare His excellencies and to talk about how good and faithful and awesome God is, but let that storm set in. And there's where you'll find out what your faith is. So I encourage you with that today. Acknowledge the greater danger here, which is forgetting what God has already promised because of real and true current problems. Now, how do you respond to that? Every now and then, I like to, to bring us to a time of response by sharing with you some possible prayers of response. I do this maybe every other month. And if you have your notes, you see that we're going to do that today. Three possible prayers as you think about how do I process all of this? How do I think about the fact that I can really love God and still have a really bad week or there can be serious problems that I'm facing or difficulties in my life or, or how am I processing the idea that the problems that you're facing today may be tempting you to be distracted or to lose focus from things that you already know to be true? Like how do we 
How do we take it from the Bible to our everyday life? And what I've done is I've created a way to share with you three possible prayers of application, of response. And I think that they're all in the scripture. We'll look at each one. We'll see where you find it in the text. But the first is, Lord, would you stir my emotions for you? And that may seem a little strange for you to think about praying. But I want to share with you why I think that's an appropriate response to us. Would you look again in the scripture? Let's look at verse 41. It says, uh, once Jesus had done everything he was doing, he had, he had rebuked the wind and he had calmed the sea. He had looked at the disciples and said, why are you afraid and do you still have no faith? Verse 41 is the response of the disciples to Jesus' correction. And it says that they were filled with great fear. Sometimes that word is translated fear. Sometimes it's translated as awe or wonder or reverence. I don't know what your translation that you're holding or that you have pulled up on your phone might be, but all of those words are appropriate translations for this word that's used here. But do you understand what's happening? When they experience the work of Jesus, they are moved emotionally. And not just a little, a lot. They were filled with fear, with awe, with wonder, with reverence. And you know, I think about that and I think about my own life. I think about this fellowship and I think about just the church in general and our context and culture and year. And what I think about is the fact that we are really busy people, aren't we? Some of you have kids and you're trying to not just raise kids but disciple kids and from sunup to sundown you are running a hundred miles an hour and you don't know where you are half the time but you're doing it all for the glory of God and the sake of your family. Some of us don't have kids. Some of us do work, though, and it's very demanding, and we're trying to give our everything, and our calendars are busy because we have meetings, and we have a this, and we have a that, and we just feel like we are to the top busy all the time, not to mention managing friendships or marriages or hobbies or the other things in our life that makes us very busy. And when we get busy, we usually stop feeling things because we're so in a rush to get to the next thing or to do the next thing or to arrive at the next thing or to prepare the next thing that we stop feeling our emotions along the way and we just begin to execute. Let me get here and do this. Take a breath, move to the next thing. Take a breath, move... What you notice in the scripture is that the disciples responded emotionally to Jesus. They were filled with emotion. And that's my prayer. I don't want to be too busy. I don't want to be too busy that I don't feel emotions towards Jesus. I don't want to be in such a hurry to get to the next thing that I'm not filled with wonder and reverence and awe and fear of God when he's at work right around me. Lord, 
would you stir emotions in me for you? I think that's a good prayer in response to what we read today. Another prayer, Lord, give me something to talk about. In the scripture, if you're still in verse 41, if you still have your Bible open, look and see. It says, and they were filled with great fear. And then what did they do? And they began to talk to one another about this amazing thing that just happened. Lord, give the fellowship something to talk about. Do something mighty among us that we are filled with emotion and we say to one another, what was that? Now I want to be theologically accurate this morning and say this. God is always at work. He is always doing something amazing in our lives. So maybe if you wrote that prayer down, you might need to amend it to say, Lord, open my eyes to see what you've given me to talk about. Because God is at work around us all the time. But do you see what I'm saying in the text? In verse 41, it says that they were filled with emotion and they started talking with each other. They started having a conversation about how amazing and wonderful what just happened in front of them. They totally forgot about the danger that they were just in. Now they're like, this is insane. This is crazy, right? This is amazing. Like they, they move from being in significant danger and they're trying to wake Jesus up going, Jesus, do you even care if we live through this? And they're in despair to being filled with emotion, talking to one another about how amazing this experience has been. I want to be like that. I guess that's why I'm so excited this morning. Because I want this to mark my life. I want to be moved in my emotions by watching Jesus do stuff that I would have never imagined him doing. And I want to look at you and say, did you see that? Did you see what God did this morning at the fellowship? Did you see what God did on Tuesday night? Did you see what God did on Thursday? Did you see what God did on Saturday morning with the men's Bible study? Like, did you just see what God is doing? I want us to continue to have something to talk about. And as long as we're following Jesus, we will. Because the disciples' lives were never boring. Something amazing was always happening. The third response of prayer before we move to close this morning. Lord, expand my view and my perspective of you. And I want to show you this morning where I get that from. This perhaps, in my opinion, is one of the most beautiful transitions and transformations that happen in this story. This transformation, in my opinion is greater than the transformation that happens with the wind and the sea. Are you ready for this? Look with me if you would. In verse 38, Jesus was in the stern. He was asleep on the kitchen, uh, cushion, excuse me. There was no kitchen. This was no yacht. (laughs) On the cushion. And they woke him up and they said to him, what did they call him? Teacher. Look at verse 41. Their perspective of Jesus through this problem, seeing the works, the attitudes, the responses of Jesus 
expand their perspective of who Jesus is. Now, is he a teacher? Absolutely. No question he's a teacher. He's a master teacher at that. But they discovered he was more. Because at the end of this story, who is this? Even the wind and the seas obey him. That was the transformation that is most astounding and most transforming. Was it the wind? Yes, that was a transformation. Was there a transformation in the sea? Absolutely. But when these disciples go from seeing Jesus as a teacher to having supremacy over all things, including all of creation, their view expanded of Jesus. That's why I say, may our response in prayer be, Lord, expand my view of who you are. I don't want a small view of a big God. I want a big view of a big God. This morning as we close, probably as we're thinking about storms and seeking Jesus in the midst of storms, your mind has wandered off to the ones that you're facing, and that's okay. You've begun to think about perhaps not necessarily the disciples' problems, but the ones that you're facing. And I just want to remind you that Jesus is the right place to take your struggles, your problems, your storms. I remind you that in your hand or on your lap sits the promises of God. And there is no promise that says that if you will love God, you will have no problems in life. But you do have the promises of God that says that the Lord will faithfully walk with you and teach you about his character through the hardships of life. I don't know what it is that you're facing today that's hard, that's a struggle, that you would consider to be a dangerous storm. It's creating anxiety in you, difficulty in you. But I will say to you what I have said for years. Take that to Jesus and to entrust him with that. Now the way that we're going to close this morning, I say this particularly for the benefit of those of you who are regulars at the fellowship because if you're new here today, you have no idea how we close our services. But if you're a regular here, I want you to know that we're closing a little bit differently. You probably noticed when you walked in this morning that the walls are scattered with a variety of color of post-it notes, yellow and green and blue and pink. And I want to tell you what that's about. Uh, This past weekend, our student ministry had a, a retreat here at the church. It was called Anchored Weekend, and it was about teaching our students to be anchored to Jesus very appropriate for the study that we're looking at this morning. And in one of their sessions, they had some time where they got by themselves and they had some quiet time and they reflected on the struggles and the storms of their life that they're working through right now. And look, they're everywhere. Our students have all kinds of struggles and storms that they're working through. And so I thought we would end this morning in two steps. First, We're going to pause 
And we're going to pray and you're going to have a chance to just kind of talk through with God whatever it is that God is doing in your life. That's the part that we normally do. But after we pray, we're going to take about three minutes. And what I'm going to ask you to do, if you're comfortable doing this, is to stand up and just to go to somewhere on the wall and see some of the struggles that our students, some of the storms that they're facing. And just take a moment right there at the wall and just pray for our students as they share with us some of the struggles that they're facing, some of the storms that they're facing. Uh, So let's pray together. Would you bow with me? And before we stand up and go read post-it notes about the things that our students are facing, would you take a moment and focus on what the Lord taught you this morning in, in our time together about how God is wanting to shape you through this text. Would you take a moment just to talk with the Lord this morning? Maybe if you're guilty recently of allowing your problems to cause you to forget the promises of God, maybe this is the right time for you to just say that to the Lord. Lord, I'm sorry. I got distracted with the uncomfortable things of life. Maybe this morning you needed to be reminded that real danger and problems exist even in the midst of real discipleship. Lord, with all the faith that we have, with all the courage we have, we say, Lord, would you give us, fill us with emotion for you. Give us eyes to see the wonderful things that you're doing around us. Give us something to talk about. Expand our view, O Lord. We confess to you that we're humans and we think with human minds and we see with human eyes. We want to have that process that the disciples had of being transformed from seeing you as a teacher to one who has authority over all things. Expand our view, God. Give us a bigger vision, a more accurate picture of who you are through your word. We're grateful for this morning, for a time of worship and communion and prayer and study. And now, Lord, as we take a moment, we just say to you, we feel so honored and blessed to be able to stand with our students and pray with and for them in the struggles and the storms that they face. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you take two or three minutes, if you're comfortable doing that, and just go and just find a spot on the wall and just see some of the things that our students are working through? And if you'll do that for two minutes, we'll close our time together and be dismissed. But let's, let's intercede for our students this morning.
you cannot or do not want to get up, that's fine. You can pray right where you are. If you're online with us this morning, we invite you to just be praying for our students. The walls are filled this morning with sticky notes representing their struggles. Lord, we thank you that this is a safe place for students to bring their struggles. And even as we look at these struggles that they face, we pray over them. We pray with our students. We thank you for our students. We thank you that there's a generation behind us that will love you and will seek you and will follow you and will serve you and will share you. We thank you for our students this morning, Lord. We are burdened in our hearts that they carry these things. And so we agree in prayer with them. We bring them to you this morning, to the throne room of God. We thank you that they were willing to share them, and we pray that they will be diligent to continue to bring them to the throne of grace where there is power and peace and transformation. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.